This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते वेलकम टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ हफ्ता वी हैव एन एक्साइटिंग गेस्ट जॉइनिंग अस हु आल्सो विद अस एट द मीडिया रंबल बिफोर आई इंट्रोड्यूस्ड अ पैनल आई हैव समथिंग टू रिक्वेस्ट डू गो ऑन टू न्यूज लॉन्ड्री डॉट कॉम एंड चेक आउट अ न्यू एन एल सेना प्रोजेक्ट इट्स अ प्रोजेक्ट विच वी कैन लॉन्च टू थ्री वीक्स गो बट बिकॉज ऑफ द मीडिया रंबल थिंग्स वी हैच we are looking for funds so that we can do a deep investigation into who owns what media house and you want to cover as many media houses as possible this exercise will take a lot of time effort resources so please can i request you to go to newslaundry.com nl sena but is in the middle so click on nl sena and contribute to nl sena project if you have a larger sum that you want to contribute to otherwise you can just subscribe to newslaundry.com and pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served Before I introduce the panel Manisha what do we have in the headlines a uh, big 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 newsy week uh, article 370 was killed using article 370 so the separate constitution of jammu and kashmir ceases to be in operation and the state also ceases to exist as we know it jammu and kashmir will be divided into jammu and kashmir uh, the union territory which will have a legislature and ladakh which will not have a legislature you know uh, i was looking for a video I, i just posted the image but when i read that headline that article 370 used to destroy article 370 I thought of that scene of Thanos. I used the the whatever entity stones, stones infinity the, stones yeah. to destroy the stones, yeah. and he looks also like Amit Shah. <laughs> he does look like Amit Shah. That's mm. true. Um, as we speak, Kashmir is still under a strict curfew. Uh, the curfew, I think, came into being on Sunday, uh, about 24 hours before Amit Shah made his announcement in Parliament. There's been no landline, no internet, uh, no cable TV. and a strict curfew condition which is supposed to be easing today uh, two of its former chief ministers are under house arrest um, meanwhile modi ji has said that there should be no chest thumping he gave a message to his party leaders and said please don't celebrate there's a long road ahead but that's not what he said in the address to the nation yeah. in the address to the nation yesterday he spoke about development economy uh, coming to the rescue and said also i think one of the interesting points he made was that don't worry your leaders will come from you hmm uh, saying that democracy is going to come back and we will also when the time is right make it a state again hmm. so saying that you're not going to lose your political uh, sort of say in the larger scheme of things pakistan has expelled his indian high commissioner and recalled its envoy and also said ki no more trade and uh, i don't know what who that affected all anyway <laughs> yeah. hmm. and taliban also today issued a statement strangely saying that uh, they are deeply agonized it was a very civil kind of a anyway they <laughs> right now they are be deep in peace talks with the their own government yeah. huh? hmm. the supreme court meanwhile uh, refused to refused to hear an urgent plea challenging the withdrawal of jnk special status though the person who's filed the plea is ml sharma who you interviewed yes and he some people say he's like a bjp stooge so he just goes and makes these shitty arguments and he kills a plea before an actual plea can be made i mean that's a conspiracy theory there's been terrible uh, sort of a flood situation in maharashtra and kerala uh, red alert red alert in four districts kochi airport was shut down trains delayed actually there was one um, boat that capsized um, while doing these rescues and i think 37 people died or uh, drowned in karnataka also there have been severe floods 
in fact i mean they right now there are at least four states in the country that are severely hit by floods and mm. i was watching the, the coverage the, this morning some of the images are very very scary it's it's horrible i think mm. we we'll probably discuss this next week when we have a little more clarity about what all is happening yeah. and why can't we prepare for this yeah i mean every year so many people die it's just sad uh, the other big news of the week was the passing away of former external minister sushma swaraj she had a heart attack yeah and, and uh, funnily he, enough like she tweeted yeah. and 3 hours later or 4 hours later she was pronounced yeah, she dead she tweeted uh, congratulating modi for 370 and she said i didn't know i was going to live in my life to see this um lok sabha cleared a bill to give death uh, penalty to sexual assault on children these kind of pointless bills they can yeah. keep clearing and this and the us had mass shootings two yeah. two incidences of mass shooting 30 people dead and one of the shooters had racist sort of literature with him and he was i think he did he, he wanted to go yeah. he wanted to kill mexicans and of course the nra's attitude after this has been horrible but seven of the survivors refused to meet trump when he went to the hospital to meet them mm. i think that was fascinating they refused to see him and trump has been getting roasted like never before but i still have many indian friends who think he's an amazing president i say wahin jao and tony morrison died she was an author and a nobel laureate and she was considered by many as one of the most important writers of her time she was a black woman who was credited with having kind of propounded this theory of writing not theory but her approach to writing was why do we have to write for the white person so what she said was a lot of the black writing the filmmaking the black people who were artists were writing for the white person in the sense not in their defense but in a sense that this is what we are like whether it was use of the words whether it was the stories being told she says we should write for us and if someone gets it well and good if they don't hell with them and um, so that way her writing was considered very honest and very powerful and very important for the civil rights movement she was 88 and she was recommended to me when i was i think what in my late teens or 20s to Madhu, read madhu i think is a big fan no yeah that time most of it used to mm. go over my head i <laughs> did not understand it but i should revisit it now and one fourth of the world's population faces a huge water stress and bulk of it is in india meanwhile delhi government is giving half page ads that we have done lot for water i don't know it i saw that planted tree also today we have to yeah today's planted tree smiling arvind kejriwal saying planted tree meanwhile president ramnath kovin gives a send to the triple talaq bill again i'm not sure what sense that makes and kerala church rape case the nun who protested against the accused bishop has been expelled for mm. her lifestyle mm. so this is lucy kalupura uh, she was accused that that they have she has not given a satisfactory explanation for buying a car taking a loan for it and publishing poems sure because if you're part of the mm. uh, church you should not publish poems or buy a car but uh, i think the main reason was that she took part in the protest against the rape so yeah man no matter where you go women dude you know you're the most wronged against manisha kuch bhi kar lo kisi bhi aap religion mein chale jao Today on the panel we have Manisha Pandey. Hello. Raman Kripal. Hi. Anand Vardhan. Hello. And joining us on Skype is Jaggi who I met last week who was very kindly agreed to be on the Media Rumble and has kindly agreed to help put a list together of who all we should invite next year because he said we should have a more representative list of panelists. So I'm going to hold you to that, huh? Don't slime away Jaggi. 
<laughs> no, I won't. So think of it. Mail me about fifteen, twenty names with what areas you think they can speak about, and we'll do that. Yeah. So for those of you who live under a rock and don't know who Jaggi is, Jaggi is R Jagannathan. He's currently editorial director of Swaraj Magazine. He has over four decades of experience in business journalism, but he has also been the editor in chief of First Post when it launched. He was the founder, and he's been at Business Day DNA. and he has revamped many business publications in his capacity as editor also in financial express and all those many things he has won the shriram sanlam right that's how you pronounce it lifetime achievement award in 2016 so jaggi you don't look that old i must say <laughs> um so like i mentioned in the beginning of the podcast rather than try to discuss six things hurriedly we will try over hafta next few weeks we'll just pick up three things and discuss those at length So the obvious one to start this week is Article three seventy. So those of you who want context, I'm surprised you don't know yet. But Article three seventy has not been abrogated, if I understand this correctly, but it has been amended enough for Jammu and Kashmir not to have the category of special status it did earlier. From what I understand, it will have certain special provisions like many hill states, like Himachal Pradesh, Uttarakhand, etc., do. But what it won't have. is the kind of autonomy that it had earlier and it is also union territory now i personally thought it would be impossible in my lifetime so i will admit this is something that completely caught me off guard i was like this can't happen because also i had seen mr swami be decimated by ram jethmalani on the legal arguments of this i was moderating a panel but clearly some other smarter minds have thought of a loophole why do you think this is a great idea jaggi and what do you think the next fallout is going to be and i ask you from someone who had entered journalism in the mid 90s and the first person who had put to be the sidekick of was a lady called alpana kishore who had famously interviewed mustgul when the charare sharif he had set on fire and run away so what i understood on kashmir was of all those people who had covered it they said the response is never overnight and next week it happens after a year year and a half what do you think is going to happen now and why why do you think this will go through well i think the challenges before uh, the government that's abrogated most parts of 370 they have to handle the issue sensitively in the valley so that people there who may be feeling a sense of sullen anger are uh, told that look nothing is really going to affect your life if we will actually improve governance or whatever it is so they have to offer a friendly hand so that they get over the thing right now it is only a shell and also it is more an emotional link rather than anything material in terms of what it delivers to people in the valley it's something like the khilafat movement in 1919 what gandhi thought was that it was something emotively important for indian muslims but what we saw was that the first thing that kamal ataturk did was threw it out and the whole world accepted it so mm. this is like one of those artifacts of history uh, there were i think uh, having it on the statute book did nothing to help kashmir but it did everything to alienate them and by allowing local politicians to blackmail us and say look if you do this we will do something else so mm. this is what it is and i think it's good that we have ended the stalemate once and for all we have to look forward and i hope the government handles the issue sensitively that's the key thing but beyond that it did not need to be on the statute book at all i'm happy it's gone so while the government no doubt needs to handle it sensitively i think a lot of the noise that is assumed as the government's voice is what channels do what their voices are this 
you know triumphism whatever is the word this chest thumping ke humne dekho dikha diya um you think that needs to be toned down and will it be toned down or do you think that because because that is what brings you eyeballs and gets panels excited that will carry on and that will actually be counterproductive just like i mean i've done a two part series on on kashmir as a podcast and i know for a fact uh, you know i am no supporter of of this regime that the local media in kashmir has a lot to do with the general sense of uh, you know uh, hostility towards india it is very anti india the local media and i've know i've known many journalists from kashmir personally who privately would say one thing but they could never dare to say that openly because they would not be possible to live in kashmir so do you think that media there and here will play that role of trying to make you know make a more informed sensible and peaceful citizenry or will they continue to yell the way they do yeah i think media these days have become very shrill and especially some channels are certainly thumping their chests and actually creating a needless kind of triumphalism in some sections of the people while it may play well in certain parts of the country and including the two parts of kashmir itself especially jammu and ladakh it's not going to go down too well in the valley so i think that uh, tonal tonality needs to change and say look this is something that it had to be done but it's not about india imposing its will on the kashmiris or anybody it is to make you full citizens and to make sure that you build bridges back and so it's high time we did the bridge building and the media is busy destroying those bridges so i hope that the media plays the right role and not the kind of role it's playing right now manisha what did you think of the prime minister's address and what is your take on this 370 apart from the prime minister's address just taking it forward from what jaggi was talking about triumphalism in the media i haven't seen anything worse than what i've seen over the past one week hmm. it is i mean as a non kashmiri i was angered looking at it i can't even imagine what kashmiris must be feeling because the moment uh, the announcement was made there was ugly kind of rhetoric all over channels you had i mean people reciting praises of hanuman you know bharat mata ki jai vande mataram kashmir ko dikha diya pok ke le lenge ab sikhayenge and it was it wasn't about kashmiri people or tackling insurgency or there was no even you know a regular person would want to know what exactly did article 370 do how did it stop uh, you know uh, what problems did it create and how uh, a move to sort of make it hollow would contain insurgency or that's the at the heart of it right none of that it was just about india teaching this you know these people a lesson and like the, i mean we're going to cover this in news and so i don't want to say much but it was absolutely ugly and in that rhetoric whatever amit shah may have said about development education you know women's right there's none of that in popular rhetoric and even bjp spokespersons don't talk about that when they're talking about kashmir it is about teaching them a lesson and a hindu majoritarian sort of a sentiment and the demonizing of the two former chief ministers these guys are still under house arrest they are democratically elected they were actually one of the few voices they may be corrupt inefficient or whatever you may say but not more than any other chief ministers in across india they are in a special case of inefficiency or incompetence they've been in jail i mean under house arrest 
they have uh, you've had news anchors bjp spokespersons linking them to pakistan time again when they are the only guys who've stood with india's democratic process at least or have said we'll participate in your democracy and i think with this at least you've i mean you weakened their hand you weakened you the fence sitters or people who were on the center or people who said dialogue with india democracy with india those guys have completely lost ground in kashmir i mean uh, yeah. we don't know what's happening right now because it's a lockdown uh, this, hmm. also But, could you comment on like this whole thing you know i do believe that one thing is clear that certain things that we had grown up believing so we kind of believe that as a mathematical theorem which it wasn't one being that article 370 it's impossible to do away with uh that was like a mathematical theorem that etched into you know most people's minds that has been proved no if you mm. completely rethink it you can do that but the second thing is that all kashmiris would completely rebel and be angered by this now there is a narrative mm. going that there are many who are happy they are sick of the corruption even if they are i, I and i am not commenting one way or the other i'm not convinced one way or the other I find it strange that journalists there are making this claim but cannot present 10 Kashmiris on camera saying that they are saying that to camera with empty streets behind them if that is the case would not the best thing be to make that available to us i mean i, I find yeah. journalistically that bizarre also forget the 370 i think whatever i have seen of kashmiris talking in whatever channels that have bothered to at least speak to kashmiris it's the lockdown that's really got them angry that you didn't tell us anything you've put us in a complete lockdown and imagine like no phones no landlines no mobile you can't go to a dog you can't go to a hospital without like being stopped at different checkpoints so it's complete like invisibilization that i think that's really got many people angry Jaggi, right now a, a quick comment on this and then we'll get anand then do you think if that is the case uh, you know first i'd like to know what you think i mean there's no you know metric we have or any first hand information you and i sitting here but just your hunch that you think people there will be happy with this and in case they are as many journalists claim don't you wonder that should that journalist should just show us some interviews to that effect no i have no doubt whatsoever that there is a huge amount of anger if not sullenness in the valley yeah? and that anger is not being shown and also there is being it is being contained in a limited shell that is true but you know when you are in a war zone the last thing you need is the media to come and rake it all up so i think mm. you need to give it a little time to cooling off period mm. and after that i think you need to discuss all these issues openly without any censorship that but the time for that has not come maybe after 3 4 weeks once people have had time to digest the whole issue then you allow the media in and allow uh, all kinds of discussion that it makes sense just like in the middle of the war no country will allow it's media to go and say opposite things where it will demoralize its own forces and encourage the enemy that mm. is what is happening right now and i think but of course this cannot continue endlessly i'm talking about two or three weeks by which time even the kashmiri people have had a chance to realize what has happened and then articulate Respond. themselves in a sensible way right now they may just throw bombs and it will make things worse it's not worth it okay anand sir ab bataiye aapke kya mizaj hain isse other than the fact those of you who have not seen anand every week he comes back looking thinner and thinner so clearly his jogging is going places and mine is not going anywhere but since you also are from a family of police service what are the charges under which the these three politicians can be kept detained i mean is is that legal is that like how can you just make someone public cause... order that's what the notice said that no in one, in in mohibuba's case there's a notice, notice yeah. but in the abdullah's case there's no written notice that i'm aware of 
No, that, that yes, public order that would be simple. And that's a political move, so public order. Anyway, so you see, it's a political decision and not uh, meant to please everybody. So just like every political decision, it, it would be contentious. But it has been the long-standing political project of uh, BJP since its uh, Jansang days when Balraj Madhok got Shyama Prasad Mukherjee interested in uh, the abrogation of the substantive parts of 370. And uh, till then, uh, from then only, the Ek Desh Mein Do Pradhan, Do Vidhan, Do Nishan Nahi Ho Shakta has been their poll promise. Now, I attended uh, some election rallies this uh, year, and uh, Mr. Amit Shah was very emphatic about abrogating the substantive parts of 370 in election uh, speeches, though nobody was taking him seriously because that has been the poll rhetoric of the BJP and or or the right of the center voices. but what has changed is that from its first term, Modi government seems to have realized that with this huge mandate, the, the momentum now uh, with the honeymoon period is with them. And uh, later in their term, the anti-incumbency when it starts setting in, the climate would not be very productive mm. for pushing through the more contentious part of uh, their election manifesto. Right. So they are like Triple Tarak and now 370 would prioritize these issues and uh, get through it when the public mood is in favor, in their favor and uh, the, they are riding on a wave of huge mandate. Uh, Two, three theoretical issues uh, uh, which I think are more abstract and I, I found that uh, some Indian academics like Mr. Mehta, Prabhanu Mehta, even Mr. Yogendra Yadav are confused in it. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I would write a critique for News Laundry Please. about it. So uh, maybe but it would, would say. Mujhe so, uh, like I had pointed uh, in last hafta also, there is in, in, in India there would always be a tension about what uh, a stream uh, t- talks about the Habermas concept of uh, constitutional patriotism hmm. and uh, the national self-determination. Now, in, with respect to Kashmir, with its international profile of being an internationally sensitive issue also, the added dimension is of the territoriality of national self-determination, whether uh, an area which got into Indian Union through state reorganization has its uh, claims on self uh, national self-determination or India as a unit has the claim on self uh, right. uh, national self-determination. There, so there would always be a theoretical tension between it, uh, between these two claims. Also, uh, now as a political community, uh, if um, the Win 370, I, I always envisaged that whenever it would be abrogated, it would be taking care of the procedural parts and not the substantive part of uh, hmm. uh, uh, constitutionality. So technical aspects, I, I assume that the Home Ministry officials who are more adept in co- uh, constitutional aspects than I and you are, have taken weeks to 
uh, though it would be challenged in court, let us see. Hmm. But they have got through the technical loopholes in it. Now, what is that, that the political community, the constitutional patriotism does not explain you that why does the political community's patriotism ends at national boundaries? So the so you're saying that 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 constitution is beyond no no it can't explain the sentiment of nationality sure because uh, ultimately that political community is bound by a territoriality right so that second is that the present actions present political actions have historical roots hmm. that also constitution working in a vacuum does not uh, also when these laws were um, framed. They were framed when India was a very jittery nation, mm -hmm. and uh, very. Uh, and now, just like uh, the um, uh, rise of expansionist nationalism in say countries of subcontinental size like China, which has Xinjiang or some mm. trouble areas, rough edges of nationalist expansion or Russia, like Crimea and its claim on Ukraine. So uh, now these rough edges, with this, the confident nation, the expansionist nation state, will have some areas, I think the Modi government has taken into account it's in its project, that hmm. it will, it is ready to have those rough edges. I understand. I mean, I'm, I look forward to this critique. I, I, I have something to say on this, but first, Raman, sir, you come in. I, I know you never had a very firm position on on this matter ideologically but at least as a news professional are you satisfied with how the news community no, behaves are you also uh, in agreement with Jaggi that this is, should be treated as a war zone therefore what can be allowed to be reported out of there has to be limited right now uh, and if that is so then the ones who are reporting there do we kind of dismiss them as 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 government spokespersons like no i am uh very clear about one thing that this was a political and ideological move hmm. uh, if we can consider it that way but my problem is as Jaggi says that uh, it needs to be you know handled sensitively but has the government handled it sensitively so far hmm. this is one and whether it is an exercise for self-determination uh, if we just see the journey of Modi since 2014 uh what do we see? We in 2015, 2016, in fact, we we had reported and we had a report with us where the IB is very clearly telling that two-thirds of the youths have been radicalized hmm. because there was a, uh, I mean, very hard stand taken, though he was uh, again and again, uh, you know, repeating what uh, Vajpayee used to say, that Kashmiriyat and all. Hmm. Uh, so uh, so in the in the past five years, a uh, lot of things happened. I mean, the local youth was completely radicalized. This was not a situation earlier. Okay, we had more of the foreign terrorists. But so, so uh, after that, on the sly, you, in one stroke, uh, uh, all of a sudden, you come and you, uh, you, you just uh, strike off Article 370. So the, I feel that the entire situation wasn't handled so sensitively. So how they are going to handle it sensitively further? A. And B, the kind of rhetorics they have thrown so far, uh, you know, in the name of development. And I find it completely rhetoric. They haven't even done their 
you know, uh, study well. When they say that uh, Bal Vivaha Act Lago uh, Hoga, hmm. now they're the average, I mean, I just uh, have some studies. The average uh, marriage uh, age of a woman, women in, uh, in, in the Ghati, in Kashmir, is 27. Yes. Okay. So, so the Child Marriage Act uh, you are talking about, they don't even need. They were much more progressed hmm. that way. Okay. Then you are talking of uh, the right to education. Hmm. This, I mean, the, this is a better educated state. It ranks 15th or 15 out of 36. So there are worse state than this. And you, uh, you, uh, Article 370 needs to be uh, abolished. Because of uh, this child marriage that mm. they said, you see, I mean, you have states like Jharkhand, West Bengal, Bihar, uh, you know, which uh, this this uh, child marriage uh, is uh, prevalent right. in these states. Then you have RTI, RTI, the status of RTI. I mean, if you see the pending cases ah, in the rest of India. They have RTI before the Indian constitution <laughs> ah. also. And also the 35A bit. The JNK High Court admitted it clear that a woman can uh, own property even if she marries outside. Okay, was it? And yeah, okay. and even 377, the High Court, Supreme Court had said that it would be applicable. So, I, I think... Mean the, like, yeah, I mean, I think the Prime Minister's speech, if you like start fact-checking it, there are some glaring flaws, but yeah, carry no, on, my, sir. My and also was, the media... My thing issue. was sensitivity. I mm. mean, sensitivity, if we are showing the sensitivity, see what kind of sensitivity we have shown since 2014. Mm. And I don't say, I mean, the the this, I, I visited Srinagar first time in uh, 2000, uh, when, you know, I went to Chitti Singhpura, 36 Sikhs were massacred. So mm. there was violence all over for mm. the past 19 years. Mm. But things, thing, I mean, after It's not like they became much better in the ha, last five ha. years either. So, so okay. in 2014, if you, uh, uh, if you are, I mean, you are doing everything on the sly and with a heavy hand. It's not democratic the way it has been done. No, and, uh, the, so the, this is going to further and, and, and also, uh, I was speaking to, uh, you know, one of the Kashmiri, senior Kashmiri journalist. So he said Ki, you should remember that in 1986 uh, when the state elections were rigged by the center, its reaction it uh, had come in 1989. Mm. So they said don't expect any reaction now. Like uh, Jaggi is saying that they will bomb, no. They will wo- won't bomb now. It'll happen. Okay, so it will happen And later. what's your position on the bit that this should be by news professionals treated as as, as somewhat of a war zone, so therefore the kind of reporting that one should responsibly do out of there over the next few weeks should be limited. The TV has always been like that. I mean, they, they are considering it was on, uh, you know, for such a but long time. But that hasn't stopped them from reporting from then. Huh? Ah, so, so they yeah, have sh- been... Okay, uh, Jaggi, I'll just come back to you on this and then I'd like to move on to a couple other aspects and I'd, you know, I just have one intervention for Anand and one for you. One is, you know, this uh, piece that I, I read, which a lot of people shared, Manish Sabarwal's on economic opportunities in Kashmir. And um, in fact, I tweeted it out. And, you know, whenever you tweet something out, everybody pelos gyan about this can happen. On this, I haven't got a single answer. Uh, and this, the first time this question actually struck me was at a conference that the media Nama had organized on, on internet shutdowns that... A, the data, the internet shutdowns from 2016 to now, 2015, 16 to now, have like, it's like a vertical line. The Foreign Policy magazine has a graph on internet shutdowns in India. We are like more than anywhere else in the world, not by a factor of 10, 15%, by like 100, 200%. And there is no demonstrable 
correlation that when internet shuts down, shut down go up there's more peace in fact there's less peace uh and secondly we keep talking about economic opportunities you've been a financial journalist it's a very simple question like uh, you know i've i find a lot of people who write about ease of doing business have often never done any business because nobody would write about ease of doing business there from when i started my first company in 1999 to 2019 now from making it compulsory to file online through the transition from service tax to swachh bharat tax to some tax for 0.2% to make it compulsory to file it online if there's an internet shutdown for 6 months i'm not aware of any um, allowance that you are allowed to not file for 6 months how does an entrepreneur in kashmir file returns and if you can't file returns you can't operate because the heavy penalties does anybody know because that manish sabarwal's piece was shared by a lot of people and i believe he's a very accomplished man who's done a lot of things i mean any answers how how does an entrepreneur work if you can't file returns online see i think uh, all that stuff about kashmir's business increasing and people will be getting more jobs and development that is all something in the pretty distant future let's be clear one thing the first job of any state is to ensure law and order or everything else flows after that that is if you are not able to control the state that you are running if there is no law and order there is no question of uh, internet running or business running or anything running right okay so this is the prime duty of the state to ensure that the law and order is respected and there is some chance of people respecting the boundaries of uh, between protest and violence but that boundary has been broken consistently in uh, jammu and kashmir hmm. so till the uh, overall peaceful nature and where protests are only peaceful but not violent and where if you have seen recent attempts the local population or segments of it are actually helping the jihadis hmm. so i mean if you are not going to fix that problem what is the how is it uh, regardless of whether you have internet or don't have internet you are not going to improve business chances and let's not forget these things happen even in bombay right. if there is a if there is a riot today like this thing the police first thing they do is actually try and control whatsapp groups and other things there is limitations even here right. this is something that happens all over the country and it is not restricted to jammu jammu it's just that it's the blanket coverage of a huge state i mean in terms of geographical area but which is why it is shocking us but i'm saying first thing get the law and order fixed you okay. can't win hearts and minds without law and order because law and order itself will ruin the hearts and minds okay can i just, yeah sure I, it's very interesting what jaggi has said about maintaining peace and then economy will follow what the problem is that how we've been sold this 370 and everything the rhetoric of the past one week is let's bring economic development and then we'll get peace that is what the government or you know government spokies have been selling it that it'll automatically go away once we get that economic development lack of economic so, opportunities yeah. yeah i i think that's a tricky one and anand do you just uh, and we just keep this short so we can move on to the next did i understand you correctly when you said that the the sentiment of nationalism is not quantifiable or articulated by strict rules of constitutionalities is that what you were saying so so um in the context of therefore we can ignore the constitution when we're talking about nationalism like so what was just, just can you elaborate on that the ignore when uh, nationalist parties also work within the constitutional framework they are not just inspired by the constitutional reason okay because that is something amenable sure that that that, that is not uh, cast in stone and so their vision so is not limited by the constitution, constitution. but you're saying that the actions but, must but be but you see uh, 
people are more, uh, they think that a lot, a large part of human behavior, since it is not codifiable, so it is a matter of habit, a matter of conventions. So a large part of human nature is a, is a matter of habits, conventions, mm. traditions, right. beliefs. So everything cannot be constitutionally say codified so right. the, the second thing one I point I would like you see uh, about media uh, what we are going I uh, what I dread and which will happen despite my dread is that uh, um, there would be a Kashmir fatigue again it is already there it will increase because uh, we will see two type of stories, two type of commissioning of stories. One is everything is good there. And one is everything uh, is bad. Everything is bad. And uh, <laughs> me media houses huh. which are is already split down, uh, the middle. down the middle, we will have uh, stories commissioned just to say how things bad are. How, and they will, uh, there will always be voices which would be very terrified hmm. and which would be very angry. And mm. that will get uh, good points. Mm, yeah. And then, and, and, and so I think uh, just one thing that uh, the right side of the media we've made the critique of how awful they are. But also sometimes I feel that towards the left or left of center voices, there are certain voices or sort of thoughts that come out that are almost waiting for a death toll. You know. Yeah. And that's very kind of scary. There's almost an anticipation for deaths and. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, and you that's really, you that's a very scary thing. You see too. some of that from, uh, you know, I, again, left, liberal, how you pronounce it is, there is, among certain quarters, a keenness to see some action so that their assertion of discontent is kind of ratified. That I personally would love to be proved wrong on following the constitution. I I do think that if a democracy like India is to be sit on world stage and to be seen seriously, you have to do things. And I really liked Alpana Kishore's piece on that, that New Zealand carried. That, and I know her personally, so I know for a fact that she's not a, a, a left Libby like many others here. But on this, I completely think that she's right. That if if we seem to be doing things the way Pakistan does, ki aaj mood hua ye, ki aaj mood hua wo kar kal riya, I think that can be damaging. However, I attended an interesting um, session yesterday. ORF had a, has a conference which is also on today. And one of the speakers there, I'm not sure where he was from. I think he was from the Middle East or maybe, this, I don't know where he was from. But he said uh, he had the data that uh, the spread of democracies, the, the more democracies spread you know, from Second World War onwards every decade, was always on the upswing and it's just the last decade it's kind of gone down and even if you see the quality of democracy it's gone down so there is an appetite the world over for people to want to see things get done even if they're not done in strictly ways that adhere to constitutional propriety or legality uh, so I hope I personally thought it, I mean, I was not in favor of 370, just to be clear. I don't think you can have that kind of rule. But at the same time, I'm not favored that I cannot buy property of the kind that I want in Dehradun, a town I grew up in because I'm not domiciled. I know for a fact that many families like mine, because 
that was a second home and you weren't living there you had to sell it because when uttarakhand agitation was happening if some local uttarakhandis occupied your house you could not get them out so people just did distress sales and like mine many houses were sold for the price of a car because if you were not there it would and now you can't buy it back because you have to be a domicile i i don't see how one can defend that or you i i've been to the us and i've been to arunachal getting the us visa is easier than getting the ilp which is the in line permit when you have to travel there i have shot in europe and i have shot in the northeast i know it's easier for me to shoot in europe than it is shoot in the northeast so i'm curious is is that coming next is anyone politically smart enough to play that against the bjp to make it difficult for them to justify their positions or they the only ones with brains sorry manisha come in and then raggi just i just want to add to your alpana kishore's piece she starts off with a beautiful uh, sort of an anecdote of 1994 when pakistan went to the union uh, united nations uh, human rights commission against india and then india sent its delegation which was led by atal bihari vajpayee you had farooq abdullah salman khurshid and manmohan singh in that hmm. and farooq abdullah challenges the pakistani side that let's debate in kashmiri you're talking about kashmir but you don't have a single person who can speak kashmiri and he did that for us and you've demonized this man today as this pakistani agent which is so pathetic you you may not have done it but your rottweilers and television news channels are doing it and you know what they're doing and you mm. want that and such a coalition would never you know we won't see that again and that's really yeah i don't lost. think mr modi would be able to put together such a bunch but uh, on my point jaggi one more and one i'll just put both questions together because i'm completely confused there's so many different articles being carried and including mr modi made this claim that sardar patel had never agreed to 370 bhai how many histories are there the one that i read i don't know in his heart of hearts he may not have wanted it but he agreed to it <laughs> uh, you know shahprasad mukherjee was also consulted he may not have been happy with it but he was consulted so if do we have consensus on the table of what history is or now history is up there to be gathered jaggi on both those points my last one and the bit about ilps in the northeast now how far does this sameness have to spread see i think uh, history need not be contested i think a lot of special deals were struck when india was being integrated in uh, just before independence so i am sure that even if sardar patel had negotiated uh, the kashmir accession he would have given them some concession so that they signed up okay but uh, i think having said that i must say one thing that the indian state over a period of time needs to homogenize its rights and responsibilities okay so like for example we allowed privy purposes but then we abolished them 20 years after independence correct so, so we had so many other things we had a right to property in the constitution we just erased it and the supreme court slept on it the supreme court which talks about basic features allowed a basic feature to be erased and said nothing about it so my point is a lot of things get done as you develop because you say today my challenge is land reform therefore right to property needs to go similarly today we say that look you can't have a country where two different constitutions rule so what you have done recently is not abolish article 370 but you abolish this uh, jammu and kashmir constitution and said that now the indian constitution is supreme even in jammu and kashmir okay you can always make exceptions you can make laws locally which say which restrict others from buying land or whatever you want to do as many other states do but it's a response to what is required in the thing so i think we don't have to contest history but history keeps changing based on current circumstances right. and that if tomorrow there is a, if say we have a boundary deal with china we don't need an inner line permit for the whole of the northeast right the thing came because you had a problem just with, just to uh, to rephrase that what you mean is historical 
historically established treaties need to change yeah but history need not change is what what right. i'm saying okay yeah yeah go anand then we'll just move on i want to talk about sushma swaraj's uh, you know passing and her legacy also and i want to briefly uh, touch upon um, uh, the floods as well kardena in various parts where which city are you in right now jaggi thane Oh, okay. Ha, sorry. Uh, oh, Anand, go ahead. You see, you have con- uh, di- uh, be- uh, based on the political persuasions, you have different threads of history as well as law. Now, everyone is a historian and constitutional expert these days. So, uh, mm, uh, as Mr. Jagnathan said, that those were unusual times for India, hmm. and a lot of treaties in the reorganization of more than 500 princely estates. Uh, some of them were troublesome. so lot of things might have gone so but you see indian state now is ready to take into account rough edges of its con- national consolidation just as in 1961 uh, uh, mr arundhati roy says that nehru's uh, army action in goa was mm. a case of hindu nationalism mm. that was nehruvian time and um, uh, arundhati roy sees is like that now there is no uh, uh, there is a right or wrong direct, historical direction accuracy now you see uh, a case of constitutional creativity in 1974 there was something called associate state that mrs gandhi Uh, put for uh, sikkim and in 1975 sikkim was integrated into indian union so these rough edges there are times when governments are strong that ready to take in I so uh, I, i all this economic development and this no this is uh, this is all humbug so, <laughs> humbug. Uh, so uh, <laughs> what is it it is trying to just pursue its agenda of national consolidation okay uh, jaggi has to go manisha so your piece then jaggi can give his closing remarks and carry on he's in thane jaggi i hope you don't want to swim to your next destination sorry i hope you don't want to swim to your next destination no 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 okay fine so uh, uh, i am up in the fifth floor so it's okay oh i see okay so now just tell me for you go sushma swaraj passed and yeah. i think out of you know all the politicians at least in my professional lifetime she was one of the i think top 10% top decile of the loved ones across party lines um what what was your take on her legacy that she's left behind what do you think would be her most striking feature that political history will remember in india see we have to see one thing that she realized that when she became external affairs minister her hopes of being number one were uh, never going to happen mm. so she accepted the situation and see what is the best i can do as uh, mea head and that was that to be a really people's politician and have make simplifications and help indians with indian passport holders visa holders make life so easy for them that you get a passport in 3 days 5 days where earlier you have to go and beg and bribe and plead with people to get it done hmm. so that was one of our biggest contributions she played a big role in getting uh, indian standard anywhere she responded to requests on twitter she even responded to a guy who wanted his refrigerator fixed and say that look i can't do that because i am rescuing people from the gulf uh, right now so things like that are there but however we tend to over eulogize people uh, when they die but mm. let's not forget in 2004 she wanted to shave her head off if sonia gandhi became prime minister yes and eat so chanas and like sleep on the ground it's not like she did not have her history also 
Yes, yes. I remember we've made so much fun of that in that Gustaki Mafa used to write. Yeah, and we, she we said, thought she was a lunatic, right? Yeah, exactly. She was a nutter. Yeah, that time because she said that I chane, sirf chane khaungi, sar mundalungi aur zameen pe soongi, and I was like, yes, well, how are the three connected? But anyway, Correct. that was her. So my point is, people have two sides to them, and that's one aspect of it. But she, when she was given the job, she did a fantastic job in the limitations imposed by the nature of the job. Okay, Jackie. Before you leave, can you give us a recommendation that you think would enrich the lives of our listeners? A recommendation on that would enrich the life of our listeners. Whether it's a piece to read, whether it's a book, it's a film, it's some I know, dance performance that you saw. Because I know your passion for dance, dance India, yeah. dance or something. <laughs> no, I don't know much about. <laughs> I'm uh, joking. Art, art world, but I do like. Uh, there is a book, uh, Howard Business Review book on empathy. I think I would like to present it to the PM. They said just. read it before you do whatever you want to do in kashmir that will be useful because it's a political thing but empathy is something that is needed anywhere in our life with anyone we deal with and that's what we need to do thanks jaggi have a good time stay thank safe you. don't go in anywhere the waters above ankle okay yeah. thank you so just one uh, question that both uh, anandan and jaggi have kind of justified uh, why we would have had 370 but I think what your question was that did Patel have something to do with it or not? And what we're hearing today is Patel का सपना सच कर दिया नेहरू की गलती ठीक कर दी. There, there must be some historical clarity, no? Whether whose गलती was it or whether he was involved or not. So yeah, I, why don't you take that? Because I think you yeah. you know well on this I, aspect. I only. He's not that old. You weren't alive that time, were you? Oh no. No, only... but I mean, he's a history buff, so he know. No, no, you see. Uh, means depending on which biographer or which historian you read you tend to believe those things so it is just a question of which historian holds more gravitas for you and there also your biases come in so i would uh, s- take it as a blind r- chase that, that right. so so uh, uh, let her, uh, let let that be settled uh Sorry, But I'm sure bit, Patel knew, no, and he was see, okay. See, I mean, uh, for me, I think like like, like everything else. No, yeah. forget. Respect to history. I mean, the way I would read it, and you know, Anand can come in, and maybe we should move back to Sushma Ji then. Is that just like in Kashmir? I'm. I don't have a firm position that everybody there is thrilled or everybody there is miserable. I'm sure there's a mix of both, like Anand said, and there's some who don't give a shit. I'm sure there is all categories. Now, which is more or which has a critical mass? We don't know. But if it was all happy. I am hundred percent certain there would be no restrictions on communication. The fact there are restrictions on communications to me is evidence enough that the amount of people who are unhappy are significant enough to create a noise that can have ripples here. Going by so for me that is basic. Similarly, if no matter how big a star Nehru was, Sardar Patel was not you know Johnny Lever in an Al Capur film. You know he was Jackie Shroff. He was at least at that level. He was Amitabh and Vinod Khanna. He may not be an Amitabh, but he was like Parvarish ka Vinod Khanna. You cannot shaft this whole thing through if he was that unhappy, dude. He was not. Yeah. My yeah. point is that it does not matter whether Mr. Patel ag- agreed to it or not. Hmm. Uh, I think BJP overestimates Patel's appeal. 
among its own voters. Hmm. Be because even if Patel agreed or pa Patel didn't agree, pa Patel was in favor of that <coughs> or that, it doesn't matter. Because hmm. so, uh, today everybody, so, uh, I don't think you have to convince everybody so, through that prism. Uh, so Pat Patel is an alternative to Nehru. No, no it's They need a substitute for Nehru. Uh, no, so no. that is why they are... What uh, I am saying is that... Politically, I That I have written uh, about, that is all alternative uh, or parallel iconography project. Uh, so that, that, that is another thing. What I am saying is that those were very extraordinary times, very unusual times. Mm. People would have said, I think, different things on different days also. So uh, just like politicians say different things on different uh, days now, then also they would have said there's... Uh, so sure. depending upon which letter, which document, which speech you quote, you may get different versions. Right. Um, okay, before we move on, I have a letter. This is by Jayesh Jhurani. Jayesh said, hi, team, congratulations on recently concluded Media Rumble. Like every year, I miss attending the event because being a Mumbai car, my trip to India is never planned in monsoon. I have been a subscriber since 2014, rather a proud subscriber until listening to episode 234. In episode 234, the guest Sushant kept saying, who is doing real journalism and panel's response was very disappointing. We as a subscribers pay for NL because we believe that you are doing journalism. We are not paying for charity. No one in the panel could counter him and say, we are doing journalism. It broke oh. my heart. Sushant's Sorry. response, deal with it, had a similar majoritarian tone that right-wing guys have been displaying all through the week following Kashmir's decision. The way the decision has been imposed of the, on the people of Kashmir makes me question the concept of democracy in India. I know Madhu would say people sitting in the West shouldn't tell India how to make democracy work, but things are indeed looking dark because no one, including News Laundry, is doing journalism. I don't expect government will face tough questions on this move. If Abhinandan remembers... There was a subscriber who was shattered after the Lok Sabha polls were declared and he wrote a very disheartening letter to News Laundry. I have a request to read out that letter instead of a song at the end of this week's episode. Mm. I hope things change and someone starts doing journalism again. Jayesh. We do do journalism, but how do we tell Sushant that we move Yeah, I think if someone's saying someone who's doing, I mean, sometimes in a joke you say we are doing, but I, you know, Sushant, uh, I mean, Sushant, sorry, Jayesh, I, I, like Anand had once said, I don't believe a discussion is to win an argument. It is to articulate points of view and ideas. And I think the listeners know and can conclude which idea is smarter, which one prevails. So, yeah, I, I think we are doing some great journalism. Some of our reporters are on the ground doing some fantastic work. I wish we could do more and hopefully will as we get more resources. But I think, I mean, I know things look very dark, but I am an eternal optimist. I believe the country has seen far worse and emerged I think we will emerge I think we will emerge stronger it's never going to be an easy road there are going to be choppy seas but yeah you got to you got to carry on sailing old chap chin up I say chin up Manisha Pandey 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 this mail is by Saba Makbul my dear NL Hafta team, I'm not the most articulate person, but write to you today out of sheer frustration and heartbreak. I just want to tell you that today India has severed all bridges to the valley and put the final nail in Kashmir within India, coffin. While the jury within the valley was split between Pakistan, Azadi and autonomy within India for the last 72 years, but taking the last option off the table, they have made it impossible to make India look appealing to us. Mm. 
India has shown us how dishonorable it can be signing a treaty and then like a banana republic reneging on it unilaterally. I hope all Indians are proud of themselves. The common Indian narrative is that these are just a handful of terrorists and most Kashmiris want peace. I don't know anyone in the valley who will choose the peace you offer because it comes without dignity. Unfortunately, in my opinion, that peace could have only been achieved through the right to self-determination, which was promised by the government of India as an eventuality. I would have voted for India had that been offered. Instead, we have got an annexation. The country which got freedom from oppression less than a century ago has now become the oppressor. I don't want to argue that the legality of that promise, but just to tell you all Kashmiris from the valley, just to tell you how all Kashmiris from the valley feel. And if you feel no empathy with people like me at this time, then you have not thought hard enough about what has happened. I keep reading the Dr. Martin Luther King letter from Birmingham jail, and I wish I had an iota of his gift. I don't, but if you really want to know how we feel, moderate India has let us down. Please read that letter, and if possible, include it in your recommendations. Sincerely, she has signed as an ex-Indian. Mm. So, well, um, Sabah, I completely uh, feel what you're saying. I don't blame you for feeling what you're feeling. I think you might be disappointed by my uh, lack of the complete rejection of this too and accepting this as a fate to comply. I'm not sure that's how you pronounce it. Like I've said, I, I was not one of those who thought that Article 370 was sustainable in a country like India. And I don't believe that ILP system in the Northeast should exist either. And I think it should go. I don't believe the restrictions on property in some of the states like Uttarakhand and Himachal Pradesh should exist either. But I see where you're coming from. But I will say this. There are enough of us here who I believe are people who are decent enough to fight for the rights and the equal rights of everyone. Uh, with a neighbor like Pakistan, Kashmir would always be this festering wound, which in my view is not sustainable. I know this is not the time to tell you this, so I'll stop. I feel your pain. Maybe we'll discuss this at a different time in a few haftas down the line. But um, yeah, I'm sorry um, you feel let down by much of India. But trust me, much of India is with you and will fight for you. And much of India is also let down. I don't think, I mean, what we're seeing is a lot of triumph and okay, I can't say much of India. Sorry, I take that back. But no, it's it's very ugly, especially if you watch. I mean, if you are, if what your understanding of uh, India is, of course, social media and television, it's pure bile and it's really ugly kind of triumphalism. And I don't blame her for feeling the way she does. Many people that I know of in Kashmir who are actually quite like fence-sitters or anti-like uh, separatist forces there or anti-Islamization or spoke up against it and did it at a great cost now feel very let down. And that's a big loss, I think, losing those people who were willing to listen to you, who were willing to be on your side to just now lose hope in you. That's quite sad. Anyway, Sabah, um, chin up, like I say. Gulzar had once said, I, I'll probably fuck up the whole quote, but let me try. <laughs> so depending on the time of your life, you got to focus on one or the other. So yeah, look at stuff that you look forward to. It could be a game of football, it could be a jog, it could be a film, it could be popcorn, I don't know. There's always something in life to look forward to, is what I say. 
so i would just want to now quickly move back to sushma swaraj i think what jaggi said was very true that when people die and i think anand has said this several times on the hafta that we tend to overstate i mean i think that classic line of shakespeare from julius caesar uh, which is antony's mark antony's speech when caesar died that the evil that men do lives after them the good is often interred with their bones i have demonstrated my command over shakespeare but that is in ulta more, no mostly in, in obits yeah in real life in politics it's ulta the evil is interred with their bones but the good lives after them so yes uh, i think she was at her times when she had to fight for relevance uh, many of you who probably were young listeners to this podcast in the early 2000s the battle for primacy in the bjp at that time modi was nowhere in the picture it was between venkaiah naidu sushma swaraj arun jetli and pramod mahajan because they were here in the center mr modi had been sent to gujarat sambhalo and he was sambhaloing gujarat so the central battle was between these four people so in fact when modi rose sushma was one of the earlier ones who tried to cato him and for those of us who remember she was in the advani camp but modi did keep her he didn't completely shaft her and you know send her to what mark darshak mandal like the other two yashwant sinha and this one she was too young for that she, um, yeah and i mean although i think modi had the kind of mandate that had he done it there's nothing she could have done she didn't have a fight in her but he kept her as minister of external affairs but if you are to believe some other bureaucrats the minister of external affairs under modi is only an event management company that manages an event which he waltz sends to takes whether it is the yoga day that is organized by the ministry of external affairs where is any other she in fact two of the biggest uh, um overseas trips she did not even accompany him he went alone mm-hmm. so they just prepare the ground so i mean whatever said and done i must tell you my personal interaction with sushma swaraj to the first one was i think i was 21 i was a uh, 1997 mein hua tha pehli election which within teen quick quick elections hui thi पहली वाली कब हुई थी जब ये 1978 नहीं नहीं मैं तब सर मैं चार साल का था आई एम नॉट दैट ओल्ड सर वंस 98 सो द 96 इलेक्शन आई थिंक शी स्टूड फ्रॉम दिल्ली फ्रॉम साउथ दिल्ली और बैलेट बॉक्सेस तो आई हैड गॉन विद माई माइक टू गो इंटरव्यू हर एंड ऑफकोर्स दो डेज देर सच फ्यू कैमराज यू कुड वॉक राइट इन टू वेन समन वॉज वोटिंग नो वन सेट देखो वायलेशन हो रही है I voted while doing my piece to camera so while walking out I was interviewing her and she, I said Sushma ji what will be your priority if you win because those days I had not stumbled upon that question aapko kaisa lag raha hai I was still told by Madhu ask a specific question if you have no specific questions don't ask anything just shoot and come back so I said I must go with a specific question I said if you win because of course first of all I find I was what 20 or 21 at the time even then I didn't ask a question do you think you'll win like when I see people ask this question to anyone i mean whether it's arvind in banaras or whether it is you know someone in delhi who's going to say nahi yaar mujhe lagta hai meri to aise what lagegi ki main phir aaunga hi nahi hai of course everyone say i'm going to win na like anyway so i said what will be your priority if you win so will it be pushing a bill will it be you know is there a cause close to your heart she said my priority will be nurturing my constituency to i heard narsimha rao constituency <laughs> i said sorry <laughs> She says nurturing my constituency. <laughs> But I said why nurturing our constituency? Said are you not listening to what I am saying? I am saying nurturing my constituency. What is nurturing our constituency? 
तो मैं डर के वापस आके मैंने कहा पता नहीं ज्यादा था पढ़ 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 जाए तो मैं घर निकल लो निकू अभी भी वक्त है सो दैट वॉज आई बट आई आई पर्सनली लाइक आई थॉट शी वॉज गुड एंड आई डोंट से दिस अबाउट लॉड ऑफ पॉलिटिशन आई एग्री विद आनंद एंड जग्गी की जब कोई मर जाता है हम अच्छी अच्छी बातें कहते हैं बट आई थिंक एट अ वेरी फंडामेंटल लेवल देर वॉज अ डिसेंसी अबाउट हर irrespective of many people said that she played an active role in the babri demolition and all that and i i have also said that i would have i mean i'd do all of it all over again irrespective of the lo- loss of life yeah so. i mean I, i i i'm not saying that she was altogether sane but i think politicians cannot be measured with the decisions that we have to take i w- i would not hold a politician to the ethical standards that i would hold myself or people around this table to i think that's a mistake we often make I had interviewed her when she was Delhi CM. Uh, one of our story, uh, you know, in Indian Express, uh, forced uh, Sahib Singh Verma to resign. So we were very instrumental in that. Uh, and after that, she became the CM, and I was the metro editor of uh, Indian Express. So she readily agreed, uh, and I had interviewed in her car. We were traveling to some place. So I remember. I mean, she was very polite and uh, very, very firm. Also, considering those days, we've had Madan Lal Khurana uh-huh. and Sahib Singh Verma, two complete louts yes. who were so rude and, yes. I mean, and I'm not saying you have to be a sophisticated public school educated, but the kind of stuff that they'd say. Sahib Singh Verma, so he reporters. called me up personally, called me up and threatened me. I mean, they Those were real days. goon uh, level uh, dudes. So after that, she was this breath of fresh air that yes. everyone in Delhi said, "Ah ha ha, Sushma ji, I am." So yeah, but I'll remember her for you know, as uh, Jaggi said, uh, rescuing uh, Indians, you know, from abroad. I mm. mean, she and and anybody could get in touch with her on Twitter. Yeah, she was so good uh, at that. I, I think M E A and 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 uh, again as Jaggi said, M E A M E. No, no, her realization. Modi, Modi that almost rubbed her no, face no, as a. That's the realization she had, and she accepted it. Yeah, she didn't. She fight accepted. It. She didn't fight it. So. She knew how to exit with grace. कि भाई मेरा time चला गया मेरी मेरा मेरी बारी नहीं आएगी चलो हम्म आनंद You see when you attempt an obituary of it someone so. Uh, You wrote a very nice one, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, 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 that was hurriedly written, anyway. <laughs> so uh, that doesn't mean that I would have written better if I got more time. But, uh, <laughs> it, but anyway, so um, uh, you see, uh, there are two kind of obituaries. One is informative. So this one was not very informative. Uh, so be- because for people who don't know somebody who has passed away, you also have to give information. Hmm. Who? Where? Uh, for for, for say a class class eight student. you also need to educate him hmm. so it was not very educative uh, educational in that way uh, it is was uh, more of the opaque kind of obituaries that people write that that give their assessment of mm-hmm. so it was in anyway uh, so uh, you see uh, i don't fault you for not listening uh, to what he she said she had a typical husky voice mm-hmm. which, which was not very clear not a very very clarity of and there was not a lot of clarity in her voice uh, but see uh, i think 96 speech that she made in parliament was her breakthrough speech that made her a household name uh, and also because it was uh, durdarshan's highest trp 
uh, oh was uh, it i didn't know that wow. yes yes okay it, till now in history i think it it is the highest trp uh, giving uh, parliament speech uh, hmm? no not hers means that entire session oh that session of watch okay. uh, uh, government's hmm. uh, defense against no confidence motion right. the short lived 13 uh, 13 din ki sarkar uh, so that was uh, it had a huge uh, viewership yes so what i'm saying that uh, both the contenders for the second generational shift in bjp mr arun jetli and swaraj were not mass leaders right were not mass leaders arun jetli uh, understood it earlier and he came up with a gujarat prop in uh, say in form of mr modi who had ground swell of support among the cadre of bjp so and mrs swaraj uh, i think she made peace with pay, uh, playing the second fiddle uh, very late and that why that's why she couldn't uh, draw the benefits that she could have drawn with modi regime also she was very late to realize that, uh, that. she is not a contender uh, so also very strong prime ministers uh, tend to have very firm control of foreign office right from mr nehru mr nehru uh, with his vision of seeing indian missions all around the world he used he in fact created indian foreign service and sent his ambassadors to go and spread the message of buddha and this and vikupare made fun of it and said that nehru was running moral commentary when world was taking shape so uh, i think with modi's uh, firm control of foreign office he had limited space and i didn't agree entirely with her uh, twitter diplomacy uh, instant diplomacy because it had its pitfalls but as a public uh, uh, friendly diplomacy helping out to indians in trouble that was a good contribution but uh, over reliance on social media for diplomatic decisions uh, i think uh, even the foreign service is not very happy with that till now they took any diplomatic decision no like it was modi who was running the no, show no uh, what i am saying is that uh, even in public friendly uh, small measures mm. like giving passport to somebody this uh, these are also some decisions which sometimes need more time than just a twitter reaction sure Manisha you have anything to say on Sushma ji I really liked her I mean growing up when I saw her I th- really liked her speeches and I thought she was one of the very like likable leaders among in uh, BJP but I think the twitter diplomacy part there's a very interesting piece in fountaining which I guess you can read though she helped people on twitter and all here was a guy who escaped an isis attack and he came back to india and the foreign ministry gave him zero help in fact when he came back and she'd already said that there is no indian there in parliament she'd like gone ahead and lied and he came back and then they kept Iraq, him under huh? yeah yes. so hmm. yeah she twitter she did what also chased that 36 indians they who disappeared at right uh, hmm. in uh, iraq she also chased that news you know initially and and she later i mean she informed the uh, concerned families first and then she announced it to the nation this very short and sweet email is a bj shankar an indian origin football player 
He says, Hi, Vinandan. Here's an example of an Indian origin lad playing top level football at Bayern Munich. Tells you that given the right conditions and training, India should be able to put together a team of capable of competing against the best. Encouraging, eh? Jay has sent me that and with a link to Sarpreet Singh and what he did at Bayern Munich. Yeah, Sarpreet, very encouraging. I hope, I hope we see many more such Indian football players. I wish I have another life to lead. Instead of doing this hafta and struggling through life, I'd just spend my life playing a sport. This mail is by Guru Gobeli Sai Ratna Chaitanya. Dear Hafta team, this is in response to a comment made by the guest in last hafta. Flyovers and highways made Delhi worse. This is mostly because of induced demand. City Lab did a nice piece on it and he's given a link which we will give under this hafta. There have been enough reports in media about Boris Johnson's time as mayor. The Guardian did a nice explainer. Again, he's got a link. Thanks, Guru. And for those of you who want to read or listen to the links and the recommendations made in the hafta, you'll have to come onto the News Laundry hafta page because you cannot put these links on the other pl- uh, podcast platforms. This email is from Abhishek. Abhishek says, thanks for bringing in Sushant Sareen. I'm sure it made sense as you were requested by quite some time to bring right-leaning people in the hafta. It was so clear how uncomfortable he was trying to be Arnab, peddle his point of view as facts, examples below to reduce word count. It is a good idea to call his ilk so that my belief and decision not to watch such people on TV serves me well. After a rational question about comparison with Kejriwal, Sheila Dikshit, Vizavi Arnab, he got pissed but could not provide one rational comment apart from Jo dikhta hai, wo bikta hai. Thanks for exposing him and I'm sure you will bring many more such thinkers and expose their while thinking. Examples of things that Sushant said according to our wonderful subscriber Abhishek. End of East Delhi, I don't consider Delhi. Indians are obsessed with selfie. Arnab has clear-cut positions on issues. You laughed him off. Manisha told him you don't listen to him and he ignored her as well. Arnab calling out bluff of 49 people but other 60 people are unbiased. He took the ruling party head on. Biggest lol. If he's not a journalist, then who is? Kudos to Abhinandan. Every song he plugs is poster of movie bringing one scene to remember from the discussion or something as a bookmark to come back to every hafta. Regards to the panel, third year subscriber Abhishek Bagga. Are you now third year? Next year, you graduate subscriber Abhishek. Finally, this mail is by Nachiket Joshi. Dear News Laundry, I've been a subscriber for well over a year now. And what keeps me coming back is beyond a doubt the thrill of listening to Hafta every week. I will try and avoid mentioning what I do, but the reason you probably appeal so much to PhD scholars is that you essentially provide a sort of meta-analysis of the media in general. While you continue to do some great reporting, it is your critique of the media that remains your most unique and compelling service. Having said that, I have noticed that Hafta tends to suffer when you invite guests who are regularly who regularly go to TV channels as paid commentators. These men and women have little incentive to offer any criticism of the organization that they end up putting food on their tables. They are as much a part of the circus as the anchors themselves. Your guest on Hafta 234 spent a long time justifying Arnab's communication style as a business model. However, to me, that what he and far-right anchors and on Indian TV do very clearly resembles a practice referred to as genocidal priming. Alexander Laban Hinton, The Anthropology of Genocide 2002. It amounts to preparing the ground for ethnic cleansing to take place, often through relentless propaganda. This is not surprising considering that our country has elected a man responsible for committing genocide against his own people to the office of Prime Minister. Dear God, those are strong words, Najiket. This is a man who should have been in prison for crimes against humanity. 
Instead, he wields almost unprecedented amounts of political power in the country. His presence in the highest office also undermines India's credibility on the international stage as a liberal democracy. We may have managed to suppress the truth about Mr. Modi, but the rest of the world is nobody's fool. I do believe that people need to be continuously reminded of this salient fact about the current political establishment and to be prepared for their plans in the near future. Please continue with your good work and as long as you remain independent, you will always have my support. Thank you, Nachiket Joshi. <coughs> Thank you, Nachiket, for that, well, very heart-dil-se-likhi-gai-mail. I was trying to find the English words and I was about to say heart-se-likhi-gai, but then it would not make any sense. <laughs> I kind of agree with you, but I, although you haven't said that, I, I, I see this with a lot of expectation of a lot of people that we should not talk to those who's who are ideologically not opposed to you know oneself now in news laundry there are many people who have different views on different things Sushant clearly on certain things like Pakistan is far right what they would call very very hawkish uh, well full disclosure he's a very old friend and he's the brother of the co-founder of news laundry and my partner Prashant so I've known him for the last 20-25 years and we have always had very angry, bitter fights, often in his house, sometimes with his mother having to step in and say, okay, now stop this, it's getting too heated. But I don't believe one should ever stop talking. I think when you do that, um, that's that's the end of, of any sort of ideas emerging as better ones. So yeah, um, no matter how much you disagree, we will get people here to participate because we believe the Hafta provides a platform where we have sensible discussions and and what we what we do here can help with no matter who participates. While I would not go and perform in a circus like Arnab's. Uh, oh shit, I didn't discuss. He discussed my tweet, man. Last yeah, hobby, we forgot. ISI agent. I'm an ISI agent. Shall we'll discuss that next week. Anyway, thank you for that mail. So this email is from someone somewhere. He does not want to give away his name. He says, Hello again, Team News Laundry. A quick email with an update and a question this time around. As for Anand Vardhan's response to my previous mail, I see him as the exact opposite of the average Indian. Regardless of my stance on any of Anand's arguments, his position is clearly one which goes which into which much thought has been put. He is most definitely not an average Indian. As for the question, the context is this, rather disturbing but not new news item. And the anonymous person has given a link to a Hindustan Times report of the Unna woman who was accused the BJP MLA of raping her and who was hit by a truck. The Unna woman who accused BJP MLA of rape just had a truck collide with her car. Her father was beaten to death while in police custody. Her uncle is in jail. Her mother and aunt are in critical condition as is her lawyer. She committed the crime of standing up to those in power. I don't expect an entire debate on this but I would really like to know your panel's view. Why should an income tax paying middle class citizen of India not direct all their efforts at fleeing India to the West? This is not a rhetorical question but a very serious one. The income tax paying middle class is taxed twice, receives precious little return for their taxes, rarely receives justice, is forced to grovel for the most basic services and cower in fear of laws that exist only for the rich. I am tired of being told to hope for a better future. Forget about myself. I cannot even imagine a future for my progeny in India. Citizenship is a two-way street and I believe much of the middle class would agree with me when I say we receive absolutely raw deal in India. Why should those who can and able not just get up and leave? I, for one, would much rather be a second-class citizen in the West than a first-class citizen in India. 
I got that wrong even in India I am a second class citizen cows come first thanks again I really enjoy your podcast so before I let others give you their views I will I I hear you I see where you're coming from I completely agree I must say I I belong to a group of people for whom have access to to connections that make my life easier and uh, there are many who don't whether it's standing in line for passports i mean nobody knows a bureaucrat or someone in town and i don't have an answer to you i completely agree i would never th- imagine living anywhere except india but yes your sentiment i can empathize with i i i understand anyone who doesn't have access here i, I see no reason why they continue to live here manisha anand raman no now story uh, he said the discussion i think it's a developing story and uh, i think i mean obviously i mean this bjp i think we had discussed his uh, yeah no he's saying that uh, his response that he wants is that an income tax paying citizen like you get nothing from the state so the rest of his rent i totally that, agree you totally agree i totally agree as a middle class person i mean uh, when i was paying 30 35% of tax uh in in uh, canada if you pay th- 30 out of 100 rupees that you earn you get education and uh, healthcare and healthcare both so, your children are overseas right no one of my one child is, is overseas, overseas right uh, yeah. so if and i'm ready to pay 40 rupees hmm. for every 100 rupees that i earn if the government gives me these two facilities right Anand, do you empathize with him since you are the one who has the most thought-through answers according to this subscriber? Yeah, I know. Are there three different parts to his letter? How no, the first joined? one, he, I guess he must have asked, a, I don't remember, but in the previous letter he had asked, made a comment and he's just saying that... There he's just complimenting you, so accept it gracefully and say thanks. So I don't know what the specific response is. If you're looking at me for that even, I don't know. What I understand is he had asked a question in the past half hour and he was very impressed with your response i don't know what that was that is one part the next part is after a case like on now where laws and rules don't apply <coughs> is there any incentive for indian who is not socially ex, you know has access to power is there any reason why they should want to stay here what he is saying is that uh, india uh, has been said lot of times earlier most famously by gunnar medal that india is a weak state in mm. terms of rule compliance rule application <laughs> and uh, the weakened capacity of a state to enforce rules because of sociological reasons the power structures hierarchies and as well as the low compliance among citizens so th- that is a given uh, as of now not uh, very likely to improve in foreseeable future but Uh, you don't just live somewhere or not live mm, somewhere because of uh, governance regions there are many personal regions where you uh, 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 if you had the option of no uh, uh, first i am I, i don't have any useful skill to go out of india mm. so <laughs> only india can employ me in some somewhere i don't think any second <coughs> is that he says about middle class now a, a lot of indians identify themselves as middle class it's the most fluid category here sure. oh, uh, who is middle class in fact we had a long discussion half the only about yeah, this yeah so who is middle class in india is very debatable uh, but also on uh, one thing is that middle class also has 
a lot of advantages here which the middle class in other parts of the world may not have such as such as uh, it can uh, employ a driver or maid at a rate which it cannot in say yeah, the first world even the middle class here can have people working for them yeah, yeah. overseas they can't good the, point the, the, uh, and middle class has uh, also a lot of privileges uh, within its income level that that income level will not allow it in the first world so uh, you have many like you had that diplomats case who hmm. had kept a jharkhand made captive hmm. and um, because she couldn't afford hmm. uh, made in us so uh, so also uh, middle class is spoiled of its a lot of its privileges here also that's why nice. manisha As you can tell from my morning outburst. <laughs> yes, on the WhatsApp group, Manisha, this morning outburst on our news line WhatsApp group. It is very similar to this letter. It was, in fact, Manisha, I think you may have written this letter slimily, <laughs> because it sounds very much like what you were saying. You want to migrate, huh? No, okay. First, first one thing. Uh, on just a clear thing on, uh, just to clarify a little bit on the income tax, but India is not just being run by income tax, right? Of course not. Yeah. So just to, like, we have this notion that oh, we are running this nation, but it's actually a shit country for those who are not paying income tax also, mm. though they also deserve. Uh, don't the they are paying tax they, they are paying the indirect yeah. taxes and all that but uh, i think for me i was thinking about sudha bhardwaj today in the morning she's been in prison for one year now mm. here's a woman who did her phd from mit came back to india gave up her american citizenship went to iit kanpur there she got involved with uh, workers rights she realized how terrible working conditions are for workers in up she got a law degree after that she started fighting bureaucrats uh, officials legally to you know for proper wages for proper working conditions for people and then she gets embroiled in this i mean it's the darkest thing that you can read that charge sheet against her for being involved and for alleged maoist links mm. her father dies while she's in jail and there is no hope for someone i mean someone who's done so much can just be incarcerated like this for nothing and then no one cares in india and then you think dude and i think as a people it's not about government or bureaucrats as a people we are a shitty country you should realize that and i do think one should leave it if one can one other <laughs> option okay what a lovely note cuz i don't note. think we are great people i mean forget our politicians or no, whatever no i agree with you i, I think I, we are not i don't think we value think, anything correctly yeah, i think our social conscience is amongst the yeah, lowest and lowest. there is a reason that the happiness index pakistan is above us i mean considering nothing is going right in their country <laughs> it's so fucked you would assume that they'd be below us on the happiness index indians are more depressed than any other country in the world i mean at least the ones that one would count in the same kind of zone so i i agree i think we as a as a people are culturally are not very high quality on conscience ethics and yeah. and a social propriety but one thing i mean i'm old now i don't say that but i remember i used to say this so often and uh, my colleagues at aaj tak in news track is to say that you'll go get into trouble one day i used to say that you know if i was not born into the privilege i was i would not be an immigrant i would be a criminal i mean when i used to stop at red lights and i would see this the the conditions under which some of those beggars would come and you know we are sitting inside licking an ice lolly and there are other kids out there i have no doubt out to slit someone's throat if i had kids starving and having to face the indignity at uh, red lights and you see the indignity these children have to face at red lights every day whether it is the way people talk to them yeah, or having to i mean their expression becomes permanently like that because they have to put up that act are vava de de 
so the mouth has become permanent downward droop so if i had to see my mother father peers children do that every day i do not have a doubt in my mind i would have been a hardcore criminal i i have no idea how people I see their children starve and yet hold their hands back from from people snatching people can't see us cuz it's a podcast but you have a very menacing look when you're saying i would be a criminal no, no, it's almost like you can be one right now we at least know <laughs> sudha's case but if you Countless go to jakhan like right? mm. and other areas i mean there the tribals inside the jail they have been they have spent 3 3 4 4 years no charge sheet being filed and they were arrested uh, just on 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 a suspicion that they are naxals or they are helping naxals mm. so we are working on that story and uh, trying to get you know but the daily like he's saying like okay these are cases of you know the daily dignity Yes. in india and everyone does it we're such a horrible society when it comes to giving basic respect to another human being yeah and enough said now get to work yahan baith ke lecture de thi rahi i'm sorry how is any other third world country different which has i would say south asians which which are which, uh, which, which has material poverty hmm. so uh, material poverty and inequalities are linked also i think that uh, when you are actually in some situation you are in actually rather than imagining it you react differently uh, you internalize it so you think that uh, is you react differently so no what you're saying is if you were in that you internalize it to a level that you don't react uh, to it you in, uh, so you're saying i wouldn't be a criminal basically no <laughs> yeah you would not be i don't know i'd be a regular beggar but uh, <laughs> you maybe but it is just um, this uh, uh poverty criminality link is not as uh, clear as it is thought I means uh, no you know yeah. i'm not i'm not linking the two i'm saying i don't even have an opportunity to for example wealth inequality in america is way more than it is in india statistically but there basic, a, basic needs yeah not just basic needs there i for example i have been to the police station three times in this year because some help of my mother's child was picked up and taken or the son was slapped around and taken she goes there they say get out of here they treat unless you have access you take someone with access you are treated like shit if i would see my parents being spoken to like that from a cop who's supposed to fucking serve us when i had the chance in a dark alley i'm not going to fucking let that guy go yeah so i'm not talking about material disparity I'm talking about because we are a, and I bring it all down to caste we're a hierarchy obsessed society this is something that is so internalized in India that if you are slightly if you have power you can talk to someone disempowered even if it's your job to do that person's you know and we all internalize it I, I'm sure I do it you know mm. so I, I don't think India is just about material inequality mm, i think it is about dignity inequality yeah. that is a basic difference and the only place in india that doesn't have it is ladakh no by the way in our own country i didn't see a beggar in kashmir in shrinagar how <laughs> the human development indices are dekho nahi but sir pari log to baithe hote hain waise ladakh whether you are a guest at the Ladakh, hotel yes. i don't know what the new hotels are like but i always stay at george's place he's a old friend and he runs a guest house whether you are a driver whether you are a porter whether you are a hotel guest whether you are his friend you all sit together and eat yes. exactly that's that's the basic right that someone can Because come and Ladakh, sit with you there on the is same no, table and eat wahan pe ek hi bukhari hai bahar aap jaoge to kashmir mein bhi ek hi bukhari sab jagah hai wahi baith ke khao agar aapko problem hai to bundhdao yahan se 
सिंपल है तो अदर देन लद्दाख हर जगह ये नहीं है इक्वालिटी तो एनी वे दैट्स माई रैंट सो ऑन दैट नोट आई वुड लाइक टू गेट एवरीबडीज रिकमेंडेशंस एंड वाइंड अप विथ द अनाउंसमेंट दैट प्लीज सब्सक्राइब टू न्यूज लॉन्ड्री पे टू कीप न्यूज फ्री वी हैव अ न्यू एन एल सेना प्रोजेक्ट विच इज अबाउट नो यू नो योर मीडिया वी आर डूइंग अ डीप एक्सप्लोरेशन इन्वेस्टिगेशन फू ऑन्स वॉट विच आर नो कवर एज मेनी मीडिया हाउस इज पॉसिबल इट टेक्स अ लॉट ऑफ टाइम एफर्ट मैन पावर रिसोर्सेज प्लीज गिव सपोर्ट न्यूज लॉन्ड्री सपोर्ट इंडिपेंडेंट मीडिया एंड वी विल स्टैंड अप फॉर इट नेक्स्ट टाइम लाइक दिस मेल सेट वी शुड रिस्पॉन्ड इफ समन आस्क लाइक सुशांत हु इज डूइंग रियल जर्नलिज्म वी शुड सेट वी आर डूइंग रियल जर्नलिज्म बट recommendations manisha why don't we start with you uh, so i'd recommend orf's piece uh, ashok malik's piece in orf in kashmir i think anyone who wants to understand the current thinking of what went behind this move it's a good sort of a read and shivam vidh's piece in the print today that talks to liberals and how they can win the battle of ideas and he comes up with some interesting stuff on how the right has been able to make tra- transition from a radical thought to policy and how that's hard work and liberals should get down to it and i think from kashmir uh, when the internet lines open up i think you must follow reporters there like hakeem who works for the economic times azan javed and we have a reporter too in kashmir who's going to Ayush. come back and who yes. give and us ba- some good insights i think and she's gone there now we can't get in touch on the phone we no? can't no but usko we should have given him 10 kabutar ek roz chitthi dal ke bhej de lekin so i'm ayush who is cook ियल because he was at the power center close to nehru mrs gandhi and congress party but he was in ifs in 1950s and the his historical sweep that he brings to things and having uh, seen it from close quarters also the little things of life uh, of living in 1950s and 60s the everyday life that he brings to his book is interesting i as someone writing in his late 80s and having now no say you can say uh, what is that current phrase for that he is interesting in that sense kuswan singh accused him of being a pretentious scholar hmm. so that uh, he, he he has been a columnist for hindu frontline and hmm. lot of publications for lot writes well uh, so like most diplomats who write better than bureaucrats though they are also a kind of bureaucrat hmm. but uh, so uh, that book uh, networking and uh, second is uh, this wednesday we had uh, the birth anniversary of uh, probably a man who much of north india central india and a part of east india wakes up to goswami tulsidas mm. so um, i think uh, he has been india's greatest poet because not of the religious orientation of ramcharitmanas but because of the sheer quality of poetry he wrote in ramcharitmanas the 
literary quality of it. Even a Marxist literary critique like Namur Singh said that he has been India's great, uh, he has been uh, Hindi's, at least Hindi's greatest poet. I see, okay. Raman sir? Uh, there's a criminal defamation case going on and people uh, have not reported so much you know, on this Doval versus Caravan. Hmm. And uh, I had scolded uh, <laughs> Gaurav Sarkar to write 7,000 words on that story. So he, he cut it down to 5,000. But when I read it, it is fuck, it is very gripping. It is, hmm. I mean, the way it has been written is really gripping story. Okay. And I think he's helping, he's written it like a script. Hmm. And uh, I think it is going to help many, many uh, filmmakers that the court scene, that how it happens. And so that's your recommendation. Uh, it's a news laundry story. At right? least the best part is the headline. Uh, the, the, and what he's uh, saying, he's saying that he didn't know it's a tax haven. <laughs> hmm. So it's a beautiful story. And in fact, it's doing very well. Uh, okay, good. So my recommendation is we've uploaded a whole bunch of videos from the Media Rumble. Do please watch them. I think there are some fantastic discussions there. Like our young subscriber, Jayesh, who said that he couldn't be there because he's in Mumbai. Well, hopefully, Jayesh, we are trying to bring the Media Rumble closer to you in the next year or at least in the next couple. Not to Mumbai, but to a city closer by. So you can attend. Uh, but do watch the videos. I think we've had some wonderful um, panel discussions. I particularly liked the one which also a lot of people had a lot of wonderful things to say. Manisha's interaction with uh, Parumita, right? Yeah, that the, was really fun. Yeah. So that uh, was actually went off really well. I couldn't watch it because I had at the same time my own session with Shekhar Gupta, Siddharth Fardajal and Jaggi and Sevanti Nenan. So do watch those. I hope you like them and tell us what you think we should do next Media Rumble. Because uh, we want to up the game, have as many great discussions as possible across ideological lines, across interests. So yeah, that would be great. And the song I will leave you with this time is dedicated to Kashmir, although I almost changed my mind at the last minute and dedicated to Tulsi Das. And so let's have a Tulsi Das ka some, some song. But I think right now if we can kind of get the people in Kashmir convinced that there are enough of us here who are not interested in buying land there because we don't have the money or marrying fair Kashmiri girls because we don't think we would get anywhere but just want to embrace them as our fellow citizens and uh, convince them that uh, we, we are all in the same boat and we can we can go go into this together so yeah and we can build some some love, love yeah. you don't need 370 as a bridge we are all by the way, there's uh, a BJP MP, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, his house is next to IWPC. So from time to time, he comes up with interesting, you know, uh, What's IWPP? IWPC is Indian Women Press Club. Uh, press, achha, okay. okay. Hmm. His house is just next to that. Hmm. So there is a poster, huge, larger than life poster uh, of a Kashmiri woman. Hmm. Ki art, uh, article 370, which we has brought a smile on her face. So I she's see. smiling and he's... The Siren and all. Ah. Mahesh Sharma, no? I no, 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 it's okay, not Mahesh Sharma. Yeah. I think there was a song by Muhammad Rafi, hmm. uh, which was not released when he sang it. Mm, and this, uh, it has been released, uh, I saw somewhere online. Uh, it's uh, Kashmir Hamara Hai. 
so it was ah, I, i also listened yeah. to that i see so although i i'm going with the song in kashmiri because kashmir hamara i can be misinterpreted <laughs> so so enjoy this song uh take a holiday in kashmir when you can with a smile on your face because uh, now what we got let's see what we can do with this yeah until next time join us again the hafta thank you panel thank you listeners thank you viewers bye bye News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.